Hi, friends. Okay, so life is hard, right? And who do we turn to to work through shitty relationships, career moves, and weird things that might be going on with our bodies? It's your trusted confidant. It's your right hand. That's right. It's your friend. And guess what? I got a lot of them. And actually, you might have just gotten a new one. Every episode, I'm going to sit down with friends to talk about things that we're all dealing with. Things like dieting, dating, misogyny, body image, career changes, attachment theory, of course, and much, much more. So take a seat at our table, quit that ear hustling, and get in on the conversation. I'm your host, Yelena, and this is my show, Everybody's Best Friend. Hey! Oh, wait. Did I make... Was that clear that I meant you have a new friend in me? Yeah. Yeah, I think that was clear. That's my best friend. She a real bad bitch. Got her own money. She don't need no nigga on the dance floor. She had two, three drinks. Now she twerking. She throw it out and come back. Okay, so today we have two of my amazing friends um, who are very close and near and dear to my heart. Um, and I guess I will probably say this about all of my friends because I love them all. Um, but today we have Toy, who's my friend from high school. Um, I've known her for over 15 years. And then Charlene, who's my friend from childhood, who I, who I guess I've also known for over 15 years. Um, and today we're going to be talking about career shifts and changes and like how and why people are getting up and deciding they want to do something completely different. Um, so I'm going to look to you, Charlene, first, because um, I know you had a big career transition. So I want to know what you did for work. Um, and how you decided it wasn't for you. So I went straight into the hospitality industry right out of college, and I worked for hotels, like major hotels, for most of my life, and I was always a corporate meeting planner, or for the most part, for the past 10, 12 years, I was a corporate meeting planner. And I used, my philosophy when I was coming up was to always work for the biggest and the best. So I was gonna work for the biggest convention center, I wanted to work for the biggest hotels, I wanted to do the largest conventions, because with the largest budgets because again in my mind you work harder you get ahead in life and so like I was working six seven days a week minimum every single week I was on call 24 hours a day and this is how it went for like years for years and years and years this is exactly what I did and I thought it was so normal and to be 100% honest looking back I wasn't even that good at it like I was not even that I wasn't that invested in the work that I did it's just that I had been here for so long that I might as well stay so anyways you know obviously during the pandemic I was my industry was like deeply impacted by um, you know the world shutting down most hotels shut down um, I, I consider myself a hospitality worker because I worked in hotels mm-hmm. along with other food and beverage. I consider myself all in the same field. So we all were let go. Um, our industry shut down for a year. Um, and then we started to reopen slowly. Um, but the thing that really, really opened my eyes is when we opened up the hotels and we brought back the, hospita- the hotel workers, like the housekeepers and our frontline staff, um, which are generally people of color. So we brought back these people. We put them in danger. They were the lowest paid employees. And we brought them back into the industry. We brought them back to work while the managers stayed home. And I remember that moment just feeling like, okay, I can never come back in this building ever again in my life. I just remember that moment saying, I cannot believe I participated and made money for these people. this industry, yeah. That's wild. And then from and then after that, were you like, I want to quit? 
or no. you're like I'm in pandemic mode. So, so like, I was laid off from my job. And then it kind of was like, hey, we're going to kind of call everybody back in a couple months. Um, but at that point, it was we were having civil unrest in the summertime. I had already decided that I'm just going to stay out of work for a year. And I said, I'm just going to figure it out. I'll move back home. I'll just kind of make money how I make money and just live off my savings. Again, like we've been working so hard. We have these savings. This is what we have a savings for. Yeah. You know? yeah. So anyways, I, find, I just decided that's what I was going to do is that I wasn't going to go back to work for another year. Um, and what was the second part of your question? Um, well, what did you, did you decide like you wanted to quit or were you like, yeah. So when I started to look for a job again, after a year, I did that thing in my, that you do where like, well, what am I qualified for? I can't really yeah. do anything else. I might as well just go back to the same industry. I'm not really qualified to do anything else. So I told myself that, um, most certainly some imposter syndrome of like, who else would hire this old hat? You know, who else would hire me? This is what I've been doing for the past 10 years. Um, but I just stuck with it and I um, moved over to the tech industry. I just um, got some really valuable professional advice some, from some really good friends and they helped me transition to a new industry. That's so, I think I'm like in the same, right now I'm in that point where I'm like, okay, I don't want to produce anymore, but I want to work and I want to make money mm-hmm. and so I'm qualified to produce so I'm gonna apply for producing jobs and then I'll figure out what my yeah I think I'm really grateful that I had the advice I'm, I'm not gonna take all the credit for it I had really good advice and really good people around me that like helped me really like pushed me in a different direction but I'm really really grateful that I did not step one foot into a until into a hotel I yeah. I sent out a couple resumes I'm so grateful that none of them called me back because as soon as you get into that door, as soon as you start seeing that money, that easy money, it's really hard to turn your back from it. And it ain't easy. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> we know that money is not easy. Okay. Not it may easy. seem like no, it at the time. You're like, well, I could do this true. job. But in reality, it's like, that money is not easy. That money is hard. Yeah. You give up hard. a lot. You give up a lot with that money. Yeah. What was some of the advice that you got that sort of helped you reframe your thinking? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think... Um, I, again, I was just like, well, I'm only qualified to do this. And then um, people looking at my resume for me and pulling out what are those hard and soft skills that qualify me for different roles. Yeah. Um, looking at applying differently, so prioritizing networking and referrals and internal referrals um, mm. versus sending out my application someplace because yeah. I don't necessarily look great in paper but like my personality and what I can bring to a position is a lot more shines through when you meet me um just I was connected with a really great I worked with an executive coach when I was Mm -hmm. applying for these roles I got my resume done by a professional so just leaning on people that have done it yeah versus Mm -hmm. thinking that I can do it by myself because I've never done it by myself so I'm going to lean on people who have done it but just really just not waiting for someone to don me like i'm no one's going no one's gonna come along and say hey charlene you would be a great tech professional no one's gonna Mm, say that to you as a matter of fact people are gonna tell you the exact opposite Opposite. people Mm -hmm. are going to discourage you as much as they can either out of love or just being out of a hater but no one's gonna come along and don you you really have to don yourself and just i don't know just really pull you really lean on your soft skills yeah and lived experience that's Great advice. <laughs> that is I can't, advice. No, I think no, it's, it's great so advice good. because it's like 
you know, it's, as I think about like these things, similarly, like thinking about career changes, what else am I capable of doing? What else am I qualified to do? What else can I do? It's really important to have somebody else. I mean, no one's going to don you, but it did really, it sounds like it really helped to have an objective person say you are limiting yourself. Yeah. And I think like, I know, like in my, um, I, like I think about this, we've, you know, Yelena and I have spoken about this before. When yeah. I applied to colleges when I was in high school, I really limited where I applied. I didn't apply to any Ivies. I didn't apply anywhere over like a certain level because I didn't think I could do it. I did not think I was qualified. I didn't think I had it. When I looked at the ranges of like <laughs> SAT scores and GPAs and whatever, I was like, nah, that's why you ain't it. And then I spoke to a college counselor who to this day, I mean, I won't, I won't name her on the pod. Name but like, her. Name her. No, no, no. <laughs> Blur out the name. Blur out the name. <laughs> no, oh, I, I will say, was. you know who it was. Yeah. And Why did you say her name? She'd be so happy if she ever heard it. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if she wants me to be out here. On, but anyway, okay, this well. the point is that she, um, I always say, like, she changed my life. If you ask me in person, awesome. if you know me, you ask me. She changed my life awesome. because she was the first person to say to me, you are aiming too low. You can do more than this. I think you have every possibility. I was scared of rejection. I was scared of like all these things. And she's like, whatever. You have every possibility of meeting this goal for yourself. If you want to, you can go to these schools. And not only that, like she helped guide the the process for me and she helped me get to those interviews and et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But like the idea, sometimes you need the objective voice the someone else you know not your mama who like thinks the world of you and always says you can do great things it's like i know you think that but like that's not true of other people it's like no this person is objectively telling you you have sold yourself short when i look at your resume i see this this and this that you should really be pulling out and also like rely on your networks and rely on internal like these things because you have built um a reputation for yourself that is a positive reputation that people really respect you mm -hmm. and yeah. utilize that. Like that was also work that you did in the last 10 years. It wasn't only the work that you did at your job, but you also built the relationships um, that would help you to help propel you to the next thing you want to do. Yeah. Um, that wasn't, you know, maybe it wasn't intentional, but it also wasn't by accident. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, definitely. What, so what do you do to and how much do you love it? Oh my god, I'm a lawyer. <laughs> Guys. What kind of lawyer? I'm an investment funds lawyer. Woo. I, woo, I big worked money. big money. Um, <laughs> kinda. How much do you make? <laughs> <laughs> would you benefit from Donald Trump being president? I again? would certainly <laughs> benefit. <laughs> Um, I will benefit from more transparency in the financial services industry on uh, compensation. I think that would be really beneficial. You would benefit from that? I think everyone would. I, oh. That's a whole other conversation for another day. But yeah. I do think... Try not to hit this thing. The, nice. the one thing that I... Um, well, not the one thing. I used to work in big law. I worked at a large law firm, large corporate law firm. Um, and I've worked in investment funds the entire time. And at my old job... Um, Compensation was very transparent, incredibly transparent throughout New York City and probably, I would say, really throughout the country. Um, you know what everybody else is making as a big law lawyer. You know um, your, everyone's bonus. Everybody is sort of paid on par unless you're doing, uh, unless you've gone like way above and beyond in, num in the number of hours you've worked for that year. Whereas when you go into financial services, it's an incredibly opaque 
process. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not just, I mean, it's not just for lawyers, it's for everybody, but you have less of an idea, I think, of like what you're worth, and I'll put that in quotations, Yeah. Um, because everybody's getting paid something different and like, oh, if what I'm, what I'm worth at this company or this bank or whatever might be different than like what this other company or bank or whatever offers. Like it's just different and you can't, it's just hard to compare apples to oranges. It's all on the side. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, and I've been doing this for a while and before that I was a paralegal. So I've been working. Is that like a natural, like you have to be a paralegal first in no. order to be a lawyer? No, you do not have to be a paralegal first in order you to be a lawyer. You have to pass the bar. Yeah. A lot of people, um, I went, I took time off between undergrad and law school and that's the only time, I mean, if you want to be a lawyer and you also want to be a paralegal, that's when you would do it. Um, but a lot of people go straight through. They go from undergrad to law school without taking any time. So there mm-hmm. wouldn't be an opportunity to even try to be a paralegal. Um and I did that for a couple years, and I did some other stuff. I was a teacher's assistant in an after-school program. I was the assistant to the director of an adult education program. Um, it's had a lot of jobs. But um, I've worked in law firms or as a lawyer for a long time, since mm-hmm. 2008, off and on, give or take. Yeah. Um, and how do, do you... Do I love it? Yeah. Do you no. love it? How... <laughs> <laughs> No. He said it a little bit louder. I didn't hear. No, no, I don't love it. Um, and I think like so. As much as I've spoken about, you know, all the all the reasons why people are leaving their jobs and why, um, you know, I don't think you necessarily have to love your job to one be good at it or to continue doing it. And I don't think I do think that there's a level of shame for people sometimes when they don't love their job. Yeah. Where they feel like, oh, again, social media. But if you like look at Instagram, all these people are like doing their dream job or they're like working from home and they, they're like with their kids all the time and they're like, you know, and then they're taking all these great they're going on these great trips with their husband and like all the whatever. And like it's this life that you see that seems really great. I'm not saying it's not great. It probably is. I just don't think that anyone should feel bad or ashamed about doing a regular nine to five, about working a job that you may not love right now. If it's getting you to your financial goals, I think that is valuable and I think that is valid. And I think that um, to the extent that you're in a role and you don't love it, um, but you have to stay, that's real. Like sometimes you just gotta stay right now. That's just what it is. Um, And yeah, so like, but I don't love my job. And I never have. I've never loved being a lawyer. Not one day of my job have really? I loved being a lawyer. Not no. even when you first started? No. Nope. In the beginning? Never. Never, <laughs> never, 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 never. That's so not who I not, am. You're not able to like compartmentalize like this is my job and this job affords me a financial security and then my life can be separate. Like you can't. I think I have compartmentalized it yeah. for the past however long because it's like, I mean, literally, like that is what I have done. Like I do not love my job. I have never loved my job, but I've done it anyway. I've done it for a very long time. I've done it when I've pulled all nighters and I've had to be there literally. Like I would go home, take a shower, and come back in. Like I've yes, done I've the work, you know? Mm-hmm. And I've done it despite the fact that I know that nothing. It's not that I don't find value in what I do, and it's not that I haven't found fulfillment in certain aspects of my work. But I do not love this job. And this job does not love me. 
I think it's so true and you can look back at your career and like what you've had to do to get to where you need to be and say thank you mm-hmm. but it's time I'm all set yeah <laughs> it is time thank you for the years you've provided me thank you for the financial stability you've provided me thank you mm-hmm. for the soft skills yeah. the hard skills but it is time. Time for me and, to go. Yeah. And I think that's what our parents never did. Never. <laughs> our parents never said, thank you for getting me to this place. I'm ready to move on to what drives me and what fulfills me. Or maybe they didn't have the opportunity to. Yeah. Um, I would say that's it, often the yeah, case. Um, but I think we're really privileged in the sense that we do. Well, our, that's what they worked for, right? Our parents that afforded us the opportunity yeah. to do that. Yeah. So let's honor them by doing that. So what do you think is the appropriate percentage of like, so I, I feel like nobody absolutely loves their job. I don't know one person that loves their job. I don't know one person that's like, wakes up and it's like, I love going to work. I don't know them. I think they might exist somewhere. Oh yeah, but he works for himself. <laughs> um, you know, so what do you think is like the appropriate percentage of like, okay, 80, is it like 80%? I love my job or like what do you think people are the people that love their job what do you think their percentage is is it a hundred percent or like what is the best percentage that you think you could get at work well I'm one of those people that I mean maybe I don't love my job but I really really like my job yeah you do like your job I really really like what I do Mm -hmm. because I think I'm walking in my path yeah I think I'm walking in the thing the conversations that I have with my friends and my family and my boyfriend that's what I do for work yeah and so like I think I'm one of those people that, and it took me in, I, there were sacrifices that I had to take to get here, L- lower pay, lower positions, mm-hmm. I had to be out of work, so there's a lot of sacrifices that I had to take in order to get here, um, so, and I don't know if everybody has the opportunity to do that, but percentages wise. Yeah, what would you say is your, listen, my dream job yeah. is to not work. <laughs> But yo, me too, literally. But like, I don't dream of a job. Yeah. Period. But if I'm going to work, I really I'm at a like I'm at about ninety percent right now. You're at ninety percent. You like your job. Ninety percent right now. Like I'm really inspired by the work that I do, and I'm really proud of it. Mm -hmm. And that's the first time I've really ever said that in my life. I used to be really embarrassed about my career and my career choices, and I used to be really embarrassed to tell people what I did. Yeah. What is it you do now? Yeah, what do you tell us? What, <laughs> tell the world what you do, girl. So I work in I work for a small tech company, but I do learning and development. So I help our employees move in their careers. And the reason why I find my work so fulfilling is because I can be an advocate for people in our company. So I give people the I get I I give people the skills to move ahead in their careers or show them the potential of who they can be and what they are. Um, and I think that's like, and the reason why I find it so fulfilling is because this is what I needed when I was in my 20s. Mm, this is mm-hmm. what I needed. I yeah. needed somebody that like this in the role saying, hey, where do you want to be in the next three to five years? Okay, let's help. Let's build a plan to help you get there. And I'm like, I get to do that for work and I get to do that for others. And I have the autonomy to continue to do work to advocate for other people in my jobs. I can work in diversity, equity, inclusion if I wanted to. I can turn this into executive coaching if I wanted to, career coaching if I wanted to. 
it's I just find all of that very fulfilling. Yeah. And like I said, so good. It's what allowed me to transition into my new role. It are people like me? Yeah. <laughs> people that do my role were the people that helped me find something so fulfilling. So the fact that I can do that for others, I can do that for people at my job, is just so exciting to yeah. me personally. That's so cool, Charlie. Ninety percent. I love that. You like your job. I like my job. That's. So, I've never heard anybody say that. I like. My I've asked a job. few people. Actually, I guess I've only asked people in production, and they're like, "If you zero. asked me what once my, my percentage was <laughs> like five years ago, it would have been like below zero. Yeah, like below zero. Mm, <laughs> it was absolutely negative. nothing I enjoyed about going to work. I was even. I was talking to my friends the other day, and I was just like, "How can you work for a place that's so?" unaligned with who you are as a person the dress code does not align with who you are as a person yeah. the clientele doesn't align it's not even a part of town that you want to be in your co-workers aren't aligned the things that you do like you don't care about what you do yeah <laughs> that is problematic everything totally. was against who i was as a person and i'm like that's a problem but so i think that something i think charlene that you said that i i have thought about is um why so like we're we're all in these jobs right we don't love them why did we choose these careers why like toy why did you choose to be a lawyer Whew. it all started with my father <laughs> <laughs> no seriously it did i was little and i remember my dad saying to me you should be a lawyer you're gonna be a lawyer and um I sort of never shook it. I always had in my head that I'll be a lawyer. Now, frankly, I mean, obviously, you know, you speak things into your children um, and those things can be positive or negative. And I think that um, the intent was very positive. So to be fair, he he wanted good things for me. And I think um, I also thought of being a lawyer as like a career in which you make a lot of money. And I really wanted that because I grew up with very little money in the family. And I also could picture a trajectory. Like I knew what you needed to do to get there. The path was laid out for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I think in some ways, like I, I don't regret at all becoming a lawyer. I think that I made a really, um, I think I made a good decision for myself. I also think that it was some, in some ways a lack of imagination. In the same way that I didn't picture myself going to a well-ranked college or like a real, you know, better than places I had been applying. It was like the same thing. I did not think of other careers I could do. Mm. There were like, this is, there's a thing, there's things you do and I know them. And then there's these other things that you do that like maybe you make money and maybe you don't. But I know that lawyers make money. But why do you think you didn't think of those things? Like, was it just not, it wasn't in the atmosphere of the, the people you knew weren't doing that? Or like, why... I didn't think I had the, I think to some extent, it was like I didn't know anybody who did those things necessarily, other things. I mean, I didn't know that many people who were lawyers either. It wasn't like I had a slew of lawyers to look at, but the TV helped. Mm -hmm. Um, And I didn't see them on TV. Um, Shout out to Perry Mason. Perry Mason (laughs) and uh, Claire Huxtable. Yeah. Um, But I think the... I did not feel, even when I did learn, like within while I was in college, I did have friends who were pursuing other careers or were really unsure. I didn't feel like I had that flexibility. I felt like that was reserved for people who had money. Mm. You know, like I felt like that was reserved for people who like had the, the safety net that you get when your family has money to save you if it doesn't work out. And well, I've never felt like I would be um, 
homeless or something because like it didn't work out I really didn't feel like my family had a safety net for me to to protect me if I chose a career that was um more like that the the trajectory wasn't as clear or like I had to really figure it out like I just was too I was really scared like I just didn't think yeah you know one of my best friends was a classicist in college a what a classicist she studied the classics so she knew latin she knew greek ancient greek she um, is now an art historian. She was an archaeologist. She's an Egyptologist. She's a ceramicist. She like has all these things that she's done. Uh, who I'm so over her. Like who the fuck is she's the best? An Egyptologist. So she just knows a lot about Egypt. Yeah, ancient Egypt. The study of ancient Egypt. She also studies like ancient Christian art. She, you know, you know. You did know you her. even know? Did you know that that was a thing you could do? And make money doing that? So I originally was an art history major. You were? Yeah. So like when I started college, I was art history. And I'm laughing at Toy talking about like, <laughs> oh, I thought I it, there was no creativity in my skill set. I didn't even think I could be a lawyer. Like it never crossed my mind that like <laughs> me, this little black girl, you know what I mean? Like it didn't even cross my mind. So it's like crazy. But you said you were going to be an art historian? Yeah. And so where? I, that I was just like, okay, I started doing art history ma- I started that because I was really interested in it. And I started, the, you know, you know, you take those prerequisite courses. It was one of them. So I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And then, you know, you get someone smacks you across the head and you're like, okay, there's no money in this career. Mm-hmm. You can't, you can't do this type of career. You don't have the luxury of doing something interesting and fun. You need to do something practical. Exactly yeah. <laughs> that. So, wow. but still like my personal ambition never reached to be a lawyer. Like that it's, it never crossed my mind. It oh my did God. not cross so my mind. It's so funny what gets in your head. In my mind, it was like, well, somebody told me what I had to do. If you get good grades, then you go to this private school for high school. And then and somebody will like get you there for free. Then if you get good grades in high school, you go to a good college. Yeah. If you get good grades in college, you go to a law school. Right. There's like an easy, like in my mind, I mean, school was never particularly difficult for me. That part didn't, that didn't, that wasn't hard necessarily but like so the idea of like there's a path and all it takes is like a bunch of school and then when you're done you just like take a test like in my mind I mean it was harder doing it than it was mapping it out because somebody already even like where when you go to a law firm if you decide you want to work in big law there's a trajectory within the school that's like yeah this is how you go to big law you apply to whatever whatever they come to you they come to a, a, a hotel and you sit in that hotel you do 27 interviews in three right. days and people call you back for interviews in their offices. And like, it's just a very clear, I think it's so interesting that way that we both had a very similar mindset, but came about, like we came at it in different in directions. Different like in my mind, it was like, being a lawyer is the easiest way to money. Right. Yes. Right. It's the easiest way to like, not have to go back, mm-hmm. backward at all, you know? I was um, thinking about like money too. So that's why I just switched to business. Then I just ended up cause uh, one of like, you know, this professor at my school just kind of just took me underneath his wing, and I'm, I'm really grateful for him, Mr. Montag. He just mentored me, and he really guided me into my first career, and he he just really just guided me through mm-hmm. college, and that's how I ended up doing what I did. But I didn't pick it. Yeah. <laughs> I just found somebody who believed in me, and they told me to do this, just like your father told you to be a lawyer. Mm-hmm. Like, someone was just like, hey, you do this. But I think, like, I did not, I wasn't exposed to enough, I wasn't exposed to enough different career paths or I didn't expose myself to enough different career paths. I didn't do enough research. 
and I feel like I've, I had access to these different types of mm-hmm. communities. You know, like mm-hmm. Facebook came out when we went to college. It's like, why don't we think to go work for to Silicon Valley? Like, mm-hmm. none of us thought of that. Yeah, no. <laughs> you know, so we know. just thought of these really, really, really practical careers to go into mm-hmm. that we really just kind of were pushed into. Yeah. There's no, like, I'm so passionate about this. I'm going to do it. We just were kind of just hey, girl, you would look good doing this. Go Mm -hmm. do it. And that's exactly what I did. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I agree. I think that, I think, although I think my career path is, like, unique in, uh, like, child of immigrant life or, like, black child life, I think I, like, I had the idea when I was in fourth grade, I was like, oh, I want to be Oprah. Yeah. And then everybody's like, that's such a good idea. Like, you should be Oprah. (laughs) You should do these things. I'm like, I'm going to be Oprah. Cool. And then I went to college, and I was like, I'm going to, I wanted to be a journalist, so I wanted to write. I went to journalism, like, I got in under a journalism degree, Mm -hmm. and then I took the classes, and I was like, I don't want to write bullshit, I don't want to write shit about shit I don't want to write about. And also, I didn't like my teachers. So then I was like, I'm going to go to, you know, everyone told me I should be Oprah, and I should work in production, so let me do that. So then that's what I did. And then I just continued on that path. And I think it's very, it's actually... I've talked to a lot of people recently about jobs and, like, career, and I've found that a lot of our peers, like, 30-somethings, are now questioning the career path that they've taken. So I think, like, even listening to you guys, it's like, there's a trajectory for our lives. Like, we are given steps, but only so far. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, after middle school, you're going to go to high school. After high school, you know you're going to go to college. After college, you're going to get a job. And then that's it. But, like, what the fuck happens after the job? And I think that, like, we do the career, but it's not normalized that, like, there is ever a career change. And I think we're at the point now that every almost everyone reaches, I think. It's just not talked about. Yeah. Like, that there's a shift where you're like, okay, so I've been been stepping on each stone Mm -hmm. um, for so long that now... There's no more stones, and I have to choose. I have to put the stone down. Mm-hmm. So, like, where am I putting that next stone? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it really is. It's this age group, and it's this time because now we're thinking for ourselves, and we're, we're like, making our own decisions. Exactly. Which is why we're all having these like existential life yeah. crises. We're all in therapy, dog. Right, right. We've never <laughs> made decisions for ourselves. Never. Yeah, yeah. It's fascinating. That's awesome. It's also like. um yeah, we're making these decisions, but, like, I think it's, like, my mom, for instance, is, like, a, she, her, her career was working at the post office. Yeah. And so for her, there was no, like, the, the idea of switching careers just, like, wasn't a real thing. Yeah. Whereas now, for me, not that she couldn't have, but it just wasn't, like, a real thing to her. And for me, it's, like, I'm almost spoiled by choice. I almost feel paralyzed yes. by options. I am like, I have, I could do anything. I can do anything. I am smart. I did this. I did that. But like, then like, how do I do all those other things? Like, how do people just like do? When I look at people and I'm like, yo, like, how do you even like create that career for yourself? Mm -hmm. Yo. Like, are you in some way special or unique? I mean, we're all special (laughs) under God's eyes. But like, you know, like, no, like you're just like a normal person who just decided they were going to do this other thing. Yeah. And just, and like, also feeling paralyzed by making your past decisions. Again, yes. yeah. Yeah, I felt paralyzed by my past decisions. I felt like, all right, well, I've made the decision, so now I have to stick in it. Yes. Now I have to live yes. in it. Yes, yes. And so, it, yeah. 
I hate this super cliche, but it's never too old to start. You're never mm-hmm. too old it's to true. start. You are, but it's true. Yeah, it's true. It's like my past decisions have guided me. They've they've it's given me a great life. Mm-hmm. I've been able to accomplish a lot. I'm a well-rounded individual. It's time to move on. Yeah, and I need to let go of this. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes I'm like, God, I wish I was a lawyer. I wish I did something valuable in society. Yeah. And then we have these conversations <laughs> with people who are like, I'm leaving this shit. Yeah, so <laughs> like, I was like, I'm not doing that. You can have my job. Society. You can have my law degree. Twiz, right? No, I'm never giving up my law degree. I earned that shit blood sweat and tears yeah. but i will say that i mean you're not missing out on much <laughs> or a doctor or a, I know. Ooh, sometimes i, I think i should have been a doctor you, Toy, you should have been a doctor i should have been a doctor or a nurse, or a nurse. Or a nurse. Like you know what i mean i was like i could have been a nurse lives. something i should have i there's no way i was going to be a nurse because my mom like pushed it down my throat like nursing and i'm like mm-hmm. nah i'm not doing that my mom did too and now i'm thinking back i'm like i would have loved to be a nurse <laughs> yo <laughs> like, don't say that out loud clear now that i'm thinking, love, that I'm like, thinking about it i'm like i should have just <laughs> been a nurse i'm like you could go so many different ways in nurse yeah in i wouldn't want to be a travel nurse yeah i don't think i want to be a regular nurse you, you gotta be, be injections there's so many you know it's like true. med spots the ivs doing ivs wait so how much of how much of the way that our or like your parents worked influence the type of work and how you work now so like like charlene i know your mom obviously i know your mom came from haiti mm-hmm. and she works like a you know all the time she loves working i think mm-hmm. <laughs> so how much of watching her work all the time yeah and then you choosing this career path had an like how much of her working in your life had an influence on the type of work you chose to do. Yeah, I think it's definitely normalized hard work, like really grueling work mm-hmm. too. Like work that didn't have much separation between like, hey, there's no start time, there's no end time. You're just on, you're just working. The work is an integral part of your life. So like the concept of like being on and being off was like, really just like that's a rich people thing that's Mm -hmm. a thing that Mm -hmm. other people have but like us regular people we're on 24 hours a day we need to work really really hard all the time because that's what i saw from my mom staying for a company staying at one company for a really really long time just being happy with your incremental raises every year was really really normalized for me um but i think really just like the overall discomfort like just having discomfort at work is really really normal normal and i never questioned it i did not question it until the pandemic taught me that like okay like you can take a break mm-hmm. and still survive and it's okay and um like you'll survive and yeah like that the pandemic taught me that you know i would love to say that i had this like epiphany by myself but i didn't like the, the pandemic forced me to stop working it forced me to calm down it forced me to slow down and that's when i realized it and had the pandemic not happened i would still be in that cycle mm. but watching my mother work incredibly hard doing what she had to do really taught me that like work is not something to be enjoyed yeah work should be grueling yeah work mm-hmm. should be very very hard that's scary i mean it's light <laughs> it's true though so context, your mom grew up in Haiti, is from Haiti. Yeah, came my mom here. grew up in Haiti, came to America, um, really an American story of success, um, worked for the state of Massachusetts for 30 years. She actually just retired two years ago. She worked Yay. 30 years, most times working two to three jobs. I remember my mom working 
7 a.m. to 3 and then 4 to 11 and from 3 to 4 she used to come home and put I have two older sisters she used to put three plates of food on the stove for us when we got home from school and then she would go to work at four o'clock so at three o'clock when we got home we had three plates of food on the stove and then so we would have dinner yeah and I was just thinking like now as an adult I think back I'm like why is that what you prioritized <laughs> you know like <laughs> why did you prioritize putting three plates of food on the stove and I'm like we could have because y'all had to eat right but we were you know cindy was old enough our older sister was old enough to possibly take food out for us but i guess my mom it was just important for her to have that like i'm still your mother it's yeah her she's there I'm it's still not like mother. yes i'm st- i'm still taking care of my children even mm-hmm. though i'm working 18 hours a day let me have this like minor moment of like mothering that mm-hmm. i yeah. have for my children and so yeah so anyways my mother you know, I mean, she she worked her ass off. She worked really, really hard to provide a really great life for her children. She sent all of us to college, um, you know, and like, uh, and now as an adult, you know, as she's retiring, she's kind of she's 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 slowed down a lot, um, and she's just like now I think going through that like realization that I'm going through right now that like okay like we can enjoy life a little mm-hmm. bit more and she's struggling with a lot more than i am mm-hmm. you guys know the story yeah yeah <laughs> uh, additional context um charlene's mom's from haiti my mom is also from haiti and i feel i don't know how they knew each other in haiti and then they i don't even actually really know all i know is they've known each other since before i feel like before we were born mm-hmm. um and then that's how charlene and i know each other um, so they're Haitian immigrants. They're out here working hard. Working out. And then, so Toy, your mom, but your mom wasn't born Not in Barbados. Haitian. But your, was your mom born? She's in, American born. She was born in America. Born in the USA. Born in the, born and bred in the USA. Born and bred in the USA. This year, United States of America. In these United States. But so, but tell me what your mom did when you were growing up. And then do you think that influenced your work ethic now? Uh, my mom, uh, worked at the post office since I can remember. Um, she actually met my dad working at the post office in New York, but, uh, they lived, they moved, she moved, they moved. Um, and, uh, she used to work nights when I was little. My sister used to, my sister, and my brother used to watch me. And then later she worked like very weird hours. And finally in like, when she, my mom retired during the pandemic. Um, but at like the age of 70, my mom retired. Um, but, um, at that point she was going into work, like right before the pandemic started, my mom was in work at like four o'clock in the morning every day. Mm -hmm. Um, by that point though, she had slowed down a lot. Like she did have to be at work really early, but my sister had my niece and my mom is very involved in the raising of my niece. Um, so she would pick her up and stuff from school. So she did not continue to do overtime. But when I was a kid, overtime was a huge part of our, Mm -hmm. of our schedule. Yeah. Um, I think from her, I did learn, similarly to Charlene, this idea that working hard is super important. Um, and not to say that I don't think that now. I do think sometimes when I think like something is like a lot of pressure or really difficult, I feel a lot of shame because I know that she felt the pressure of being a single mother to many children and then other people's children who just were in our home at the time um and so i feel like oh how can i think this is difficult how can i let this weigh on my psyche um how can i be too tired when she was 
working all night. And then I remember her, she would put in the fridge like a cup of milk and a bowl of cereal. And I would pour the milk into the cereal so I could eat breakfast so that by the time she came home, I was ready to go to school. And she would take me to school. And then sometimes wouldn't have anything in the house for me to eat. So she would stop at the grocery store to pick up like cold cuts to make a sandwich in the car so that I would have something at school to eat. And it was just like, how am I tired? (laughs) (laughs) All I have to take care of is myself. So I do feel there's a level of shame. And I mean, also my father, you know, uh, he he works, um, he's really good at having a job, I should say. Like he's like, my father is a much, very much a work smarter, not harder person. But when I think about the fact that like there has never been a job that my father is in that he ever stayed at the level he walked in at, like within a year, maybe two years, that man is somebody's manager. Where, like after like now he like started at the MB- MBTA um, a few years ago now but like is now chief inspector like it's just like that's his so that's also like something I come with where it's like yeah but like why like how are you just staying still when yeah. you could be right here because right. like that's who he is like that's like there's no my mom is more like I have a job it does what I need to do I'm gonna work hard at it but I'm not looking to move up in it I'm just looking to, like, do my work and get everything done and be, like, a responsible employee. Mm -hmm. My dad is more like, I don't really care about being that. What I want is to, like, do so well that, like, somebody looks at me and says, this person needs to, Mm -hmm. you know, put him up, like, make him, raise him up in the company, in the business, whatever it is. Um, So, yeah, those are the things. And I think, honestly, it has created within me a lot of, I feel a lot of pressure because I feel like, I am their wildest dreams. I think I've done everything that they worked really hard for. I think, um, you know, my siblings are great and they are all doing different things. I know that the idea that I had in my parents' head initially, maybe, I'm sure that has shifted over the years, but like initially, I'm the one who met that. Mm. And I think I felt pressure my whole life to meet it and I think I still feel pressure to meet it. Um, and I think sometimes even when I raise the idea of shifting to something that is unconventional, my mom struggles with it. Really? Yeah, because she has a, I think she's just really concerned about me having the lifestyle I worked for. Mm. She wants me to be like, she, she wants for me to be able to travel wherever I want, to fly first class if I want, to um, own the home I want. Like she wants all of that for me. Yeah. And I think she has a really big concern that I will have to take a very large change in my lifestyle in order to um, do something else. Yeah. Um, and, and I think the also, conference... She's also your, her success story. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. She can say, my daughter is this. Exactly. My daughter is mm-hmm. doing this. Yeah, although, like, you know, although we went through all these things, like, my daughter is still... My daughter does this. And I think, and I, you know, and I, and I really do appreciate how proud she is of me. Um, I also think that like we can take on our parents' limitations. So that lack of imagination I had wasn't only mine. You know, mm-hmm. she may have dreamed things mm-hmm. for me, but she didn't know what I could do. If I, when I told her, "Oh, I'm only applying to X Y Z school," she said, "Okay." Yeah, I had to tell somebody else yeah. who knew better what I could do. And like, 
when I told her somebody else said I could do XYZ, she was like, well, then absolutely. Yeah. And she was so proud of me when I got into schools that I didn't think that I would be able to get into. So proud. She like brought my acceptance letters places. <laughs> she would bring them and show people. Oh my God, I love she brought that. them to school. She brought them to the high school. And like awesome. they asked her to come speak about something. Yeah. And I had a class. I missed it. So I came in at the end. So and I remember cute. seeing her like show my acceptance letter and how proud she was. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate that. I And I think this... These are just, this is just another time. You know, sometimes she had the vision. Me going to private school was her idea. Like, sometimes she had the vision. Sometimes I have to have it. Yeah. And sometimes I have to show her, like, we can do some. I can do something else. Yeah. yeah. It's almost like passing the torch. Yeah, yeah. My mother exactly. was like, hey, I can do this for you, but, like, you have to do the rest for yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just like you were talking about earlier, Lena. It's like, mm-hmm. we've been guided so far. So far. You can only go so far. It's time for us to guide ourselves. Right. Yeah, exactly. How much do you think of that, like the, like the, either the pressure or like the idea of what you're supposed to be impacts the fact that like it's difficult, uh, impacts the fact that you're, you know, you're in the, in the career that you're not in love with anymore? Oh, um, I would say if I had to give a percentage, I don't know. <laughs> um, I do think it, I don't, I can't give a percentage, but yeah, I, I do think to. it has an impact. I think like the whole though I think that like I said I know that I have placed limitations on myself yeah many times over the years and um I think that like right now I'm in that moment of trying to figure out how to do what I think I want to do and release some of those limitations but the limiting beliefs I have are deeply ingrained and they're due to a lot of things including familial limitations that I was raised in Um, and I I don't want to say it like I blame her for anything because I honestly think like she dreamed a lot of things for me I've honestly I think I um, that she uh, pushed me to do a lot of things I didn't even want to do that she thought I could do and I'm really grateful for those pushes Um, but she's a risk averse person yeah for good reason she's a black woman yeah man in America Mm mm-hmm who lived in Brooklyn in the 70s and 80s and then back to Massachusetts and raised mad kids in a world that has been, that can be really difficult. You know, she's faced a lot. And so I think, like, those limiting beliefs came from somewhere, too. Yeah. Um, but, mm-hmm. and I think she had a more expanded mind than even my Nana did. Or, mm-hmm. like, you know, my great-grandparents may have. I don't know. Um, but... I do think that I'm learning now how to release myself from some of those mm-hmm. in order to create the life yeah. I want and better articulating the life I want. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's understanding. It's a, you know it's difficult. Like we have these conversations. She asks a lot of questions. Yeah. Sometimes they feel pointed, but you know that's the nature of a mother that and a daughter. Sometimes they just like say something to you and you're like, like what? what do you mean by that? You come <laughs> like, she's not? like, I didn't say anything. I yeah. just asked you. I'm like, what do you mean by that? <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we're getting there. And it is it is really like you, every generation is trying to do better than the next. Mm -hmm. So like it is a tough, we're in a tough spot at this point in our lives, I think, because we're breaking, we're now breaking that cycle. Like we're in the breaking. Yeah, like what's better than the last? You know, what is better? Yeah, exactly. To the extent that she, she'd worked really hard. um, And at the same time, she didn't take her work home with her. 
Yeah. It was nothing like after the day was done, the day was done. My mom, like, I don't think my mom was not like sitting there pouring over the like. I mean, it wasn't the work day was done. She had stuff with us and like financial issues, whatever it is. But like, literally, like you know, I just think like the day ended. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the work did not take over her life. It was not her identity. Right. When you ask my mom about herself, the first thing she I've never heard my mom say the first like first out of her mouth, I'm a postal worker. Whereas me, if you ask me about myself, the first thing I say is I'm a lawyer. Yo. Yes. What? Why? Say yeah, yeah. That is not how. I'm a mother, say my daughter's this. Yes. You know what I mean? They yeah. like, talk about their accomplishments that they care about. Right. Mm-hmm. Out here, talk about our profession. Exactly. Yeah. So it's a different. I don't know. Better is really relative. Yeah, it is relative. It may have taken her like a little longer than hopefully it takes me to buy a home, but like she owns a home. But listen, her kids are healthy. Lo- right. She had a lot adults. more struggles. She was, had a lot more going on. The she world, had a lot more struggles. Yeah. 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 Right. You know, she's built, like, she's the matriarch of a family that's building a legacy. And I think that is an incredible accomplishment. And I don't know what's better than that. I agree. Totally. And I think every, every like I said before, like, every generation has their struggle. I think our parents were just trying to make it, you know? Like, they were just trying to survive. Now we are blessed with opportunity. So we have to figure out how to choose. Mm-hmm. And without, without the guidance that they taught us, because they only taught us so far, mm-hmm. because they only taught us what they knew. Yeah. So I think like now we're in this career, we're in our mid-30s, we're in this career transition point. I feel like Charlene is moving in a good direction of like, you made this decision, you're in this new career in tech that you love, or like you're loving in the moment. And, like, I think, Toy, we're still figuring it out. <laughs> but what do you... So, like, ideally, at this moment now, obviously, it'll, it could it will change. It can. It can Maybe change. It will. But, change. like, so, you're in law. Mm-hmm. You know, you hate it. You're not loving it. <laughs> yeah, to hate it's a strong word, but I not don't hate. love it. Hate is not... She's grateful for it. You're what grateful is, for what, what it's provided what, you. Mm-hmm. Now we are ready Amen. to move on to the next phase what of our you, life. <laughs> what are you hoping for next? Not even... You could say what a career path is or, like... What are you hoping for next? I think, well, right now I'm looking into being a life coach um, and what that means in developing a snack. Um, In developing that um, in this moment. And I also think, like, when I think, you know, I, like you said, like it could change or it can develop or it can be added to. And so I don't think that's the last thing I'll ever do. I think, like, as much as, you know, Charlene said earlier, you know, she does not dream of labor, nor do I, okay? <laughs> but I also do think that there's an extent to which I would really like to be in a position where I can do things not for money, but out of, like, a desire to do the thing, you know? And I think that a lot. I think, of, I, you know, I think we all have so many skills and talents. And for me, a lot of the skills and talents that I have, I don't even like the idea of commodifying them because I just am like, having to do this for money would make it suck. You know, like I think I would be happier in this thing if I just didn't have to do it for money. Um, But for now, life coaching, I think, is what I want to shift to next for money. Mm -hmm. Um, But hopefully it balances with being something that I'm I'm really passionate about um, and building relationships with people that I'm really passionate about. but yeah, I mean, ideally I would do that and also be like a preschool teacher. But like that's just an aside. Oh my god, it's so cute. Preschool uh, you teacher, guys, you guys, I, I love, know you love kids. I you do love, love kids, kids so much. I love kids like at, like I really do, and I like them at that age. From like Toy, that age yes. to like second grade is my favorite. Yeah, and Toy be disciplining kids 
that are not related to her <laughs> in the street. Like, if she sees a kid that's, like, not doing right, bad? she'll go up to that kid and be like, where's your mom? What are you doing? Not me. I, I mean, let the kid be. She just be watching. I you know will what? like, where is your mother? I like, <laughs> or your, your parent. Where is your caregiver? In New York City, you can't assume that they're with their mother. It could be a nanny. It could be anybody. But where yeah. is your caregiver? <laughs> your caretaker is insane. Um, Charlene, what do you think? So you, I feel like you have such good advice. I need like, give me a piece of advice that you want, like the world, the entire universe. No, I'm not, not the world, but like. What would you say to someone who's like, I want to change my career? Yeah. Where do I start? Okay, no pressure. No pressure. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I would say just start stand, just start claiming it now. Yeah. Just start claiming who you are now. Because I said it earlier, but nobody's going to come along and don you. Nobody's going to come along and knight you and say, you are good at this. You can now go out and be successful in this craft, people are actually going to deter you. People are going to tell you, you know what, you've been doing this for a long time. Why don't you just stay, be safe. And they're saying that out of love. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But we have to decipher love versus fear. So That's mm. a tweetable moment. Oprah would say that. <laughs> we have to decipher love versus fear. Love versus fear. Mm -hmm. That's a tweetable moment. Our parents moment. are loving us fearfully. You know what I mean? Like they are loving us you know what I mean by being fearful mm -hmm. and so um you know just you have you have to stand in your truth now like today tomorrow mm -hmm. this morning you know like if you are a stylist you are a stylist don't wait for someone to tell you you're a stylist if you're a life coach don't wait for someone to tell you oh you're God, a life that's like coach. from sister act what <laughs> remember when Whoopi Goldberg and sister act 2 tells Lauren Hill she was like she's like if you're a writer then, and all you oh, want to do is yeah. get up and write, then you're, you're a writer. writer. Yeah, you're a singer. And every morning, Listen, all you want to do, the first thing you want to do is sing, then you're, you're a singer. singer. That's how <laughs> you came out in 1999. <laughs> Just go out and start walking the walk and talking the talk. You are already doing a lot more than what other people are doing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, like mm -hmm. nobody is dedicating this much amount of focus and energy towards your craft. So you're automatically more qualified than me. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. so yes. like just think, just think a lot more highly of yourself, I would say. Um, um, have a lot more faith in yourself. Take risk and ideas, you know, push your ideas forward, even if they sound silly, even if they sound crazy, even if they sound kind of stupid, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. um, they sound good to somebody else, you know, yeah. and remember nobody else is pushing these ideas forward, so they're better than yes. nothing. Mm -hmm. That's where I'm at right oh, now. Charlene, so good. That was great advice. I'm going to take that for myself as I'm lost in the sauce currently, <laughs> but um, I feel like I have no more questions. Mm -hmm. I think this was so good. You guys are like literally the best. I love you guys. I love you too. Um, and thank you. This was so, I think it's like, we have these conversations outside of this yeah. world mm -hmm. uh, with the microphone in front of us. So like, it's good to talk about it in this way, I think, because it's so helpful. Like when I talk to people, I'm telling you, I my life changes. Even though I, may, I might not make a big change right in that moment, mm -hmm. but like my life has changed. Okay. <laughs> I hear you. Um, okay, so there's one another question that's outside of the world of career, but this is a question I'm going to ask everybody because mm -hmm. it's my favorite thing, and it's about TV. 
So what's your favorite <laughs> what's your favorite TV show that you're watching right now that you would recommend to somebody? Ta- favorite TV show? Okay, I don't have a okay, 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 okay. I just finished Wednesday. Uh-huh. Ah, okay. And I loved it. <laughs> I was like, it's just 10 out so. Of 10? No, I mean ten out of ten. Oh, okay. I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm no, I'm no Cisco or Eber, but like, yeah. I'm not giving two. I mean, it's a good show. Okay, that's all I'm gonna say. It's a good show. It's entertaining. That young woman who plays Wednesday is um, just okay. she's really good. <laughs> um, it's it's funny. It's quirky, and um, yeah, if you like that sort of like dark. Um, humor type show plus and it's like a mystery you yeah. know how I feel about mystery mm-hmm. I love mysteries if y'all I love them um, and so it's like a whodunit mm-hmm. so I oh. yeah and um, yeah it reminds me of that show Sabrina when they did like Sabrina the Teenage the, Witch they Sabrina. did the remake yeah was it good was that good um, I watched the first season it was pretty good but Wednesday it. is like a little bit le- I don't I don't know how to say but yeah. like I enjoyed Wednesday. I kept seeing the memes for it. Mm-hmm. And the yeah, I was like, oh, let me watch. It's entertaining. It's good. It's okay. fun. It's a fun fun watch, guys. What, Wednesday's fun. on the list. I like Wednesday. I haven't finished it I've yet. Been, I've been meaning to watch that. Yeah. Charlene, what's your... It can be an old show, too. Like, a show that's, like, your favorite. No, I have something current. Okay, something yeah. Current. What's the show? I am a proud, unapologetic reality TV yes. show watcher. Love it. Um, and right now, I'm heavy into Singles Inferno. I would like you to apologize to me. I know you said you were unapologetic, <laughs> but I would appreciate... <laughs> <laughs> Wait, why? Singles Inferno. First of all, what is it? I've never even heard of it. Inferno. Where does one stream this television series? It's a Netflix Korean dating show. Stop. Okay. (laughs) And when you watch this dating show, you will realize how gluttonous and sexually free Americans are. Oh my gosh, I felt this way about um, a a Japanese dating show. Because it is the most... Tamed. This is super tamed. conservative. Like it's tamed. It's endearing. It's really. It's like they really want to. They want to hold. They hands. want to hold hands. No, holding hands is like, holding hands is like a what, big thing. What we're working towards. So they're competing against Love Island, which is like. But I'm somehow. To in a bikini and like I'm ready to. Fuck. I mean, in the same time, I'm also watching Too Hot to Handle, which is like a show that I mean, says you guys can't have sex with each other to win money. So like juxtapose <laughs> these two dating shows right. Next year. I'm watching one and then the other, and then one and then the other. Yeah. But it's like a good. It, it balances me out. So yeah. singles inferno Korean dating show on Netflix. Copy that. So seasons one and two available. That's Got so it. funny. I, I do think that because there's no sex, everything else like the buildup on mm-hmm. those shows is like so. Like when they do hold hands, you're like, <gasps> like they're like, oh make eye my contact God. for too long. I have to like turn. This I know. I gotta walk away. <laughs> I didn't watch Singles and Riddles, but I did watch Terrace House, which is like the real world of Japan. Yeah. And um, it's called Terrace? Terrace, yeah, like a terrace. Like, you remember, oh, like a balcony. A balcony. Terrace House. And Not they terrace. would, I used to watch, and like they, it was like the real world, except everyone was there to sort of meet someone to date. And, but they all lived in the same house. And you would, I was like yeah. fascinated because every time I'll watch, I'll be like, this is, they're not going to do nothing. And then I'm like, oh my God. Here they are. He texted her. And like now, yes, you feel it. You feel it. It's crazy. Anyway, so I'm going to watch Singles in Front of It feels like watching middle schoolers, you know. No, no, they're full on adults. Okay. (laughs) So, Singles in Front of 
And Wednesday. And Wednesday. Yeah. Right now, this is my current. Those are the two shows. Listen, look out for them. I will. Wa- I actually will watch Singles Inferno. I feel like it won't give me what I need, but I will still watch it. Do you have one right now? A Do show. You have a show. I have to finish Wednesday. Okay. Um, I just what did I? I mean, I watch everything now because I don't have a job, so I watch everything until the day is long. But like, the show I really loved The Wilds on Amazon Prime. Oh. It was. It's like one of my favorite shows. I keep telling people to watch it. It's kind of like a, a psychological thriller. There's two seasons now. Mm-hmm. It's called The Wild. It's very similar to a show called Wild Jack. Uh, not Wild Jackets. Um, Yellow Jackets. That's on Showtime. That actually won an Emmy last year. Okay. Mm-hmm. But yes. um, I won an Emmy, or it was up for an Emmy. Either one. But it's bomb, and it's fucked up, and I love it. The wild. So that's my recommendation. Um, yeah, watch it if you want a fucked up psychological thriller. Young young teens. Teen angst is really, you know, a genre that I enjoy. These are te- they're doing it? They're teens, yeah. They're teens who do it? Yeah. That's why I can't watch Euphoria. So oh, much. Euphoria is too much. Yeah. For me, I can't do Euphoria. Yeah. It's like it's too much. You guys are doing there's too much. It's too much. Teenage All right. And I feel gosh. weird because they're children. We're done now. We can continue this conversation off. Okay, cool. Okay. All right. Well, um, we love you. Want Love you guys. Thank you, Lila. On your inaugural episode. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. I hope that you... I think your personality is the selling point. You think so? We're just the accessories. Wait, did you turn it off yet? No, it's still on. It's still on. I need to, this needs to be recorded. Okay. okay. Well, <laughs> you are apparently my personality is we, a, a key. I major will key. gladly be your accessory any day of the week because I think you are so interesting, so funny. You have so much. I want to put you guys like in my backpack when I travel on to wherever I go. <laughs> so you could be there with I me. I was thinking that we should back. like any group chat we have should be called Lamarca because we always drink always it. have Lamarca. We always yeah. have Lamarca. <laughs>